reading is from the book of Romans, chapter 15, verses 1 to 13. Usually there's a rustling of paper. <laughs> but you don't get that with telephones, do you? Mobile phones. <clears throat> We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbour for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scripture, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you, that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Again it says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with, this, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all of you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up. The one will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will have hope in him. Mm. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, John. Thank you. So this first part of chapter 15 is a description of living in community but on mission. And uh, some exhortations out of that passage bear with speaking to bear with one another. Build up. Be united. Accept one another, filled with all joy and peace by the God and hope, or God of hope, and empowered by the Holy Spirit to overflow with hope. I need some of that. Do you need some of that? We need that joy, that peace that's spoken of, that hope that comes by the power of the Spirit, that we would overflow with hope, that we're the people of hope, because He's the God of hope. And if we have God in us, we should carry hope to this hopeless world. We don't have a hopeless end. We have an endless hope. <laughs> so anyway, I, I just thought I'd encourage you with encouraging me <laughs> by sharing that. And these last couple of chapters, Paul's giving his final instructions. And, and uh, in a moment, we're going to read about his travel plans and get a long list of greetings, which we probably won't get to. Chapter 16, to all his friends who were basically um, part of the church in Rome. And, and uh, so this last section, it reveals something not only about the heart of Paul, the apostle, but also about the heart of God for you and for me. And so three things come to mind 
when we read these last couple of sections, or we see God's heart for the nations and His relentless desire to reach not just some people, but all people. And uh, secondly, to see a community on mission. And lastly, to see our part in that mission and God's mission. Uh, many of you would be familiar with, uh, I trust you'd be familiar with Tol Tolkien's work with uh, The Hobbit. But uh, there was a quote there, the world is not in your books and maps. It's out there. Any great adventure starts with stepping out the door. And uh, Emma Brunner, she said, a church exists by mission as a fire by burning. I like that. You know, we called Gateway to the Missions. That's something that God spoke over this church back in the day when the church was, was birthed uh, in this place. And uh, so when it comes to a fire burning, it could be smoldering. And, I, and I'm asking myself, I ask Russell, is your fire smoldering? Is it flickering? Is it inflamed? Is it, is it blazing? Because there's stages. And, uh, you know, send the fire, Lord. <laughs> Let the fire fall, let the wind blow, let the glory come down. When you have wind and you have fire, man, then you have something. They, they come together and that, it's an inferno. It's a finest, fiery, fiery furnace. And so to bring it closer to home and maybe personalize it a little bit, um, Scripture speaks a lot about races, so you'll indulge me just a moment. The park run, and I got to run... The first one some years ago without throwing up, and that was just a goal. Wow, I managed to. You know, people talk about from couch to five kilometers. And, and there's a reason for that, because they want you to do it in stages. Run, walk, run, walk, get going, until you can do the distance. But, but um, now after somewhat, I think, 75 or 76 of them, there are occasional setbacks. This last week, I was slow. Slower than normal, I got caught in a bottleneck, and and uh, but there's also been a greater ease, a greater confidence when I do it. When I've done it so many times before, it almost feels okay, not second nature, but it's something that I feel a little bit more okay with my rhythm and my pace. And because I've I've learned to stick with certain people that are ten years older than me that invariably beat me week in and week out. But the, the last week I managed to. To, to pip them, um, and so this week they, they pipped me. But <laughs> so why, why I'm saying all of that is that um, I got to meet friends. I've got to meet even their family, the extended family, and, and, and start to share some, some things about myself on that journey. Um, Christmas card with some personalized scriptures written in it, and, and life's a lot like a race. Paul gives his instructions to Timothy near the end of his life. He says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race and I've kept the faith. May that be true for you and I, that we could say the same words. You see, this race, it starts with the work of the cross. There's a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of direction. And, and, and it, it, you know, I almost want to say from the inside out, that's where the start, you know, the power of the cross breaks in on our lives, the saving power, the saving faith. But then there's the way of the cross, and that's a life. It's a journey. If it was just about getting saved, I could just drop dead and go to heaven. But that's not what it's about. It's about being transformed in the way of the cross to become more and more Christ-like with ever-increasing glory, as the Scripture says. And, and so in, in this journey of life, in view of God's mercy in Romans 12 that we looked at, we should prefer and we should honor God and each other. In, in what way? Well, we become selfless in, in, in sacrificial ways. 
In other words, it's not so much about me and I. Not, it's Christ in me. It's not I, but Christ in me. The hope of glory. And it goes on to say in that same passage that we should have the mind of Christ being united and with one mind and with one voice. And I felt so strongly this year, and I keep coming back to it, um, that we're going to find our voice. God wants us to find our voice. Sometimes we can lose our voice. How many of you know that? You can get scratchy, you can get hoarse, you can get the lozenges and whatever, but you start to feel like you've, you need to um, become more vocal. I mean, even the early church said, God, give us boldness. We need to speak more boldly than we are. That was the early church, and they had had Jesus walking among them, and they'd received power from on high. But even after a short while, they, they needed times of refreshing. They needed to experience the, the, the empowering again and, and the boldness. And, and so to find, not only to find our voice, but then to be with one voice. I really believe God wants to do that, that we would be with one voice, united with one voice, that it's the same. So if you speak to anyone from Gateway, you'd be hearing the same thing about Jesus and, and, and the gospel and witnessing and, and uh, can I pray for you? you know, that, that would be the the, the commonality among us. And then an anthem. Liverpool's known by some anthems. You'll never walk alone as one of them. But, but the, the, what would be the anthem? Well, to make him famous. That would be our anthem. It's just anything that brings glory to God. Anything that lifts his name up. Anything would be an anthem to him. An anthem of praise. An anthem of glory. An anthem of worship. An anthem of whatever expression of that and so uh, this mountain picture you know we we're called to love God and we're called to love people and, and we're called to make disciples of all nations to know him and make him known that's what you're called to do that's what you and I if you just simplify to a mission statement or a vision statement you, know, you could I think Wawam shortens it to know him and to make him known but for us to love God to love people and to make disciples of all nations and so we're nearly this end of this journey, and we can see here the man's almost descending off the mountain in mission there. And is it, is it the end, or is it just the beginning? That's the question. Has the own journey only just begun? You see, not only our spiritual lives, but also the success of our mission depends on us arriving home, ready to apply what we've learned. And that adventure starts with a desire to grow in gospel confidence, when Paul, back in the chapter 1, he said, we can join with Paul in saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation. Friends, I, I just remember saying that. A few, and, 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 and you feel something of, I want to say gunpowder soup. <laughs> you feel like, I'm, I'm not ashamed. Yes, I'm not ashamed. It's a declaration. It's a proclamation. I'm not ashamed. Like in the workplace or in the college or in the, in the, wherever you are, where it's intimidating. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because of the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. And so with this in mind, these last couple of chapters, they reveal Paul's ambitious plans to, take them, to go further, to take the good news of Jesus into Western Europe. Um, so that's the question that is posed to you and I. What might it mean for you? What might it mean for me? to make ambitious plans to share the gospel. Think about some of the greats, some of the fathers of the faith, if I want to put it that way, you know, and mothers of the faith too, in some respect. St. Augustine, I mean, what did Romans do for him? 
he impacted, still today, his writings and his quotes impact us. And, and Martin Luther, the Reformation in Europe, what it, Romans was the book that transformed Europe. It really did because of the revelation that came to Martin Luther and John Wesley on this nation, on this island, got a revelation out of Romans. And he wrote so many hymns and such great preaching. You know, how many miles did he go? 200,000 miles? Does anyone know? Something like that. 250,000 miles. Can you and I claim that? And it was on horseback. It wasn't even on airplanes or, tr or in you know, motor vehicles. And then Har Harriet Tubman, she, was she the lady who helped um, free the slaves? She was also impacted powerfully by Romans and the gospel. And, and David Suckett, he's an actor. I don't know. The, is that how you pronounce his name? Suchet. Suchet. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> David Suchet. Anyway, he was also impacted. These are just people whose lives were transformed through Romans. So then we and I, our adventure is just beginning. And if I look at the, the, the next section of Scripture, verse 14, I myself... Paul speaking, and convinced my brothers and sisters that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Yet I've written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God in what I've said and done. Friends, just a moment to interject. The means, there in that scripture, it's talking about acts of kindness. And, and the question is, who can I bless today? Who can I touch today with an act of kindness? And then verse 19, by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God. So what does the Holy Spirit want you to say or do? Who does He want you to pray for? To let the Holy Spirit, you, you are an interface, if I can use that word. It's like God wants to do something in somebody's life. You could be the instrument of, of that something. Signs, wonders, things to, to follow. And, and uh, then so from Jerusalem, He goes on to say all the way around Telerikim, I don't know how you pronounce that, but I've fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was what known, was not known. And that, so you've got the means not only with kindness and not only with signs and wonders, but you've got the means now with sharing the truth, words of truth. So how can I guide this conversation towards Jesus? That's the question. It's like, how can I bring Jesus into this conversation? You and I should be thinking like that. So that I would not be building on someone else's foundation, Paul says. Rather, as, as it is written, those who are not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. He's quoting from Isaiah. This is why I've often been hindered from coming to you. But now there's more place for me to work in these regions. And since I've been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. And I hope, who wants to go to Spain? <laughs> Johnny and someone, then go visit them. I hope to see you while passing through and ha to have you assist me on my journey there. And after I've enjoyed your company, after I've enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, these are Paul's plans. I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. 
They were pleased to do it. Indeed, they owe it to them. For the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings. They owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I've completed th this task, I've made sure that they've received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come to you in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in the struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and, the, take the, and the, the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and, in the and your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. So you, you see, he had plans. He had great plans, ambitious plans. But then there were God's plans too. And you kind of think, how did these two marry up? You know, it's quite strange to think that the man who, who writes these last words in this letter, it's been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, is the same man who wanted to stamp out Christianity back in Acts chapter 9. He's a man who's been changed. He's not only called, you know, I almost wanted to say to you, rise up, you've been anointed. You've been appointed to make ready a people for the Lord. And he's saying, to the Philippians, not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of what? To take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I want to lay hold of, almost like with both hands, I want to take hold of everything for which Christ has taken hold of me. That's what Paul's saying to the Philippians. And he's saying this to us in a similar way to the Romans. He's told this good news persistently, where he can come to the point where he says from Jerusalem to, this is a place north of, of Macedonia. So you've got Greece and it goes up and, and it's right up there from Jerusalem all the way up to that far reaches. And so friends, this week I received an email from when I was in Turkey along with Bibi and, and uh, we, had, we needed to employ a Turkish secretary to run a business to give us credibility. But God supplied a lady who spoke English, had lived in England and she was Turkish. And, and she came to faith in this nation through attending a Christian wedding. Amazing testimony. And, and God ushered her in. I could get sidetracked now, but how he brought her into our path. And, and I got her to translate a lot of uh, scriptural. And it was actually her, her almost theology lessons in translating stuff for me and working with me in this office. And, and she subsequently got married, and she now lives in Macedonia, along with her husband and her seven-and-a-half-month-old daughter, Alev. So her name's Semra, and there's a picture of Semra, and Asp I don't think I've got a picture of her husband, Aspera. But she's been working in these Turkish villages. You know, the Ottoman Empire went up there, and actually there's quite a few Turks who live in that part of the world. And they were receiving, can you recognize what they're receiving there? Yeah, Operation Christmas Child. Your box might be in their hands. She gave out 25 and she's giving out another 25 in another village. So she went to this one village called Redania and uh, it has a book in Turkish uh, about Jesus. And um, she's also been asked to come back and tell more stories and, and bring more stories and also to teach English. And so there's a picture of her teaching English to some of these children. But they're all Muslims. And she came to faith as a Muslim, and so she's got a great heart. And in fact, her, her family origins were from Bulgaria. So it was these Turks that live outside of Turkey. But, but I, I know that you know, God's using her 
in a, in a powerful way. And we've got an inheritance, friends, gateway to the nations, because not only do, have I supported her, but there's been other ministry times where we went over as a church to Turkey and worked with her when she was still living in Turkey. Um, back in 2015, I think Abby was part of that and some, some other, Pete was there, he learned to swim in the sea there. <laughs> so guys, it's part and parcel of the DNA of what God's called us to do. Um, when we come back to Paul, he's, he's, you could possibly go into another slide, but he's, he's gone He's gone to the ends of the earth here. He's, he's improved. His, his stats are quite impressive. This was before Google Maps. This was before budget flights. He's traveled 10,000 miles, building a network of friendships and planting more than 10 churches. He's written more than 10 foundational letters, spent years in prison. Not quite your resume that you would expect. So you can kind of see the world that he's reached and, and his planning, but his plans are even more ambitious. He's, he wants to travel to Jerusalem to deliver the gift for, for the Jewish believers. They're in severe poverty. But then he wants to sail to Rome, meet up with some of the recipients of this great letter that he's written. Uh, that would be his first time. And then he wants to go to southern Spain. But uh, that's going to be a new frontier. He's probably going to have to take a translator, probably have to, I don't know, how he's going to manage what, what his ambition was to, to how he's going to get, accomplish that. But what actually happened was when he was Jerusalem, he was, he was falsely accused of sacrilege in the temple and he was arrested by the Jewish uh, authorities. And then not only got he, he got arrested, there was an attempted assassination on his life, which was thwarted, God intervened and and then he was moved up the coast and he was kept in prison for two years, not exactly en route to Rome or Spain. It's like, God, are you in this still? I've written this letter. Surely these, I've told them I'm coming. <laughs> What's going on? And so now he appeals after two years as a Roman citizen. He says, I want to be tried by Caesar as a Roman citizen. And, and so he gets his, his, his wish because they put him on a, a prison ship. And, and uh, it didn't quite go as he planned because then, as you, as you might well remember, there was a shipwreck and we've been to Malta. That's another outreach, another place where we've got an inheritance as a church ministering into this place. But, but he, he, he makes it there only to be, a, the next thing happens is this poisonous viper latches onto his hand and they think he must you know, be a criminal, even worse, a murderer, because now the sea has spat him out, but now he's got a viper on him and he suffers no ill effects. And then that raises faith and then they bring all the sick of the island to him, prays for them. And, uh, and then there's further delays for some months before they can get passage to Rome as a political prisoner. And he's now under house arrest. So it's not exactly he can move around freely. But, but you see, it's not quite what he had, but God had his plans. God is sovereign. And he must have thought confusing or despairing thoughts. I'm sure he would have thought, why did God allow this to happen? Have you asked yourself that question? Can anything good come from this? I, I relate. There's times where, God, <laughs> where's, where's the answer here? And he, perhaps it would even be a test. Would Paul practice what he preached? Would he still believe God works for the good of those who love him? Would he still believe that? After being arrested, facing assassination attempts, shipwrecks, snake bites, could he still declare nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God? Even while on death row. Yet we see in the last chapter of the book of Acts, despite the sense of fear, failure and setback, for two whole years he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness and without hindrance. Behind Paul's plans we see God's plan. 
And this lines up with Proverbs. In his heart, a man plans his course. But the Lord determines his steps. Many are the plans of a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. You see, he's committed to playing his part in the onward mission. And he wants, he's got a captive audience because <laughs> the gods have to keep on changing. So he keeps getting new people to witness to. <laughs> so he's like, this guy's day shift, night shift, whatever. So he's got the prison gods to witness to. And it, there's actually a plaque there, if you go to where he was imprisoned, where it says that many of them came to faith. It's like God worked it out. Um, and he wrote several letters, possibly Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, uh, Philemon, Philemon. He wrote all of those letters, possibly even others. But So when your plans and my plans are disrupted and hope is deferred, it's easy to spiral into a dungeon of despair. We can end, end up wasting precious energy worrying about worst-case scenarios or wallowing in self-pity. And we get locked into our, our thing, our world, our, and even allow something to, to hold us back from the, that which God wants. But as we see in Romans, God has a plan and He's working it for good, even when we can't perceive it. Encouragement, hope, resilience is birthed in meditating on the certainty of God's love. Romans 5, it speaks about that, the love of God poured into our hearts. And it speaks about God being sovereign. Your tough times and my tough times, they develop perseverance. And perseverance cultivates hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Friends, lock into God's heart to reach those who don't yet know Him. And when it fuels our ambition and purpose to see God, the gospel go out, go f to reach the ends of the earth. It, it fueled Him. It, it motivated Him to mission, to, to keep on keeping on no matter what. That's a good English saying. Keep on keeping on. <laughs> Keep calm and carry on. Sorry, that's the... the <laughs> keep on. And uh, he says, the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus and my service to God. He says again, I fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. In chapter 16, he says, Now to him who's able to accomplish in accordance to, with my gospel the message I proclaimed about Jesus Christ. Friends, there's a sense that he's rooted, entrenched in what God's doing. And he switches between calling it the gospel of God, gospel of Christ, my gospel. It's, it's what drives him. It's his ambition. It's, it's his calling. It's his heart. Ultimately, his, his feet in a, are rooted in a deep understanding of God's heart for people. And his motivation for mission was to bring all nations to Jesus as a united and multicultural family of faith. And your faith and my faith, I trust, would motivate us to go beyond our fears, beyond our complacency, beyond our feelings of inadequacy. And that, friends, is not something new. It was God's heart from the very beginning. And as I'm going to tie this up for today, because we've had a, quite a long morning, and I think we'll carry on with some of the, the rest of, of the message next week. But, you know, Paul is quoting from various parts of the Hebrew Bible. He's quoting from the law and the prophets and the writings. And he's trying to show that when Jews and Gentiles worship together, it bears witness to, to all creation what God's done in Christ Jesus and what he is doing through the Spirit and what he will do in the end. And so that's Isaiah 52 that I mentioned as we were reading through it. But there's a few verses preceding that. It, that create a beautiful picture of God's heart for those who do not know Him. 
burst into songs of joy together. That's pretty much what we were doing this morning. You ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Hallelujah. That is in Scripture, friends. For what they were not told, they will see, and what they have not heard, they will understand. That was what Paul was drawing from that and, and quoted. In the very beginning, God called Abraham, Genesis, if you can think that far back, Genesis 12, I've blessed you to be a blessing to the ends of the earth. You're blessed, top line, bottom line, to be a blessing, to carry that blessing to the ends of the earth. He called him and blessed him to be able to, to take God's heart to, to the big picture, to all peoples. And when he saves you and he encounters you and blesses you, it's so that we could be a blessing to all nations. And so, friends, whatever your plans are, they reflect your priorities. And that's my challenge I'm ending off with this morning. Let it be our holy ambition. Let it be our priestly duty to those who don't yet know him. We want to participate in God's great rescue plan of reaching those who do not know him in view of God's mercies. In view of God's mercies. How can we not, in view of the mercy shown to you and I, how can we not share that same love, that same mercy, that same grace? He gives us a view of his heart as we look upon the mercy of God, specifically for those who do not yet know him. So Lord, this morning, Lord, help our eyes and our hearts to be enlarged to the big picture, that we would have soft hearts and hard feet, Lord, that we would have hearts, uh, hearts after you, hearts that would reflect you, to, to even have ambitious hearts that would want to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And I thank you, Lord, that, that we, you, know, you said all authority is given to you, therefore we go, go, go into all the world, proclaim the gospel, the great commission, teaching them to obey everything that you've commanded us, teaching to obey, not just to listen, but to obey. And baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then you said that you would be with us to the, the very end. Not only do you have all authority, but you also say to us that you'll be with us to the very end. So God, thank you for the, the mandate and the message and even the mission. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to to launch into that, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.